Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satuna, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Darren, welcome, sir. Take us away, man. This is uh, we're excited to hear your story, sir. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Darren. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, and thanks for thanks again for coming on too. Appreciate oh yeah, it. no problem. It's uh, it's exciting. I'm kind of nervous. Um, right on, man. So I guess I could. I may as well just start. Uh, I came from. I was born up in way up in northern Alberta, up in the bush, in a in a town called High Level. Um, it's not. When I was there, it was, I think, between 300 and 500 people, and uh, most people know of it now because it's up by Rainbow Lake and Zama City and all that. It's right mm. there. Okay. Um, so there was uh, my parents. Uh, my dad owned the Esso station, and it had a garage and a, and a restaurant. Um, my mom was one of two teachers in our school, uh, in the school, and... Um, my grandfather owned the block station. My grandma was the postmistress and town admin, and mm. my uncle owned the the hardware store. And there was uncles and aunts and cousins all over the place. A really big family. Um, so your family had been there for quite a while before you came along, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more a little bit south in in Manning, but yeah, both my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family had uh, homesteaded up there in the '30s. Okay, right on. Uh, so there, there was two original farms up there. They're okay. still up there. Um, That's pretty cool. It is cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a super small town kind of atmosphere growing up. Uh, you know, no TV. Uh, Saturday night was hockey night in Canada on the radio, and uh, and outside all the time. Right, never mm -hmm. spent any time inside. Uh, always outside. Base. You know. Uh, but I, I was pretty young when we were up there. Um, we moved away when I was about uh, six, I guess. Mm -hmm. Moved to Edson because the, the school in high level didn't go past grade nine. And my sister was ready to go to, uh, to grade 10. Mm -hmm. And she was gifted, so she had even, uh, she was gonna skip a grade too. Um, so between, she's the oldest between me and her. I'm the youngest and I had three, three brothers in there as well. So we moved to Edson. Uh, which is halfway between Edmonton and Jasper, uh, and I started going to school there. And it was, uh, we moved on to, my parents bought a half section of land there with an old farmhouse and barns and 
and sheds and everything. So that was uh, that was great when you're that age, right? Mm -hmm. It was like everything was a playground. You uh, got so much space out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was awesome, and we had uh, we had cattle and horses and lots of dogs and mm -hmm. cats and and all that. It was very idyllic. Uh, cool. Um, you know, baseball all summer and hockey all winter and. And I, yeah, and I started going to school. Didn't like school very much at first, um, but got into it. Uh, and I was a pretty bright kid. I guess I didn't have any problems there. Uh, one thing that kind of, well, I shouldn't say kind of, one thing that happened uh, with me right around that time is I got, um, and this had a huge impact on me, I got hurt. Uh, I got injured somehow. Um, but no, we did, nobody knew this at the time, right? Nobody knew anything that I had been hurt at all, right? Uh, but all of a sudden, just out of the blue, and I mean, I was by this point, I was like seven years old. Out of the blue, I started to. Uh, it's still embarrassing to even talk about. It. I started to wet the bed again, mm -hmm. right? As a as a young boy, and mm -hmm. and of course, my parents are like, "What the hell is going on?" And I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" I'm super embarrassed. And everything. well, and back then, they would have had no idea. Yeah, exactly. We didn't talk about stuff like we do now, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and it was like nobody had ever even heard of that. I don't think, yeah. right? It was very, it was weird, and for me, it was. Like it was the worst possible thing that could happen to me, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was so embarrassing and everything. And uh, so they started, you know, they started sending me, they took me to the doctors and the doctors couldn't figure anything out and they tried a bunch of shit and people were saying, oh, it's just, you know, he's upset because he had to move and all that. And he's just going to school and, and everything. But I was so little, I didn't know that people were, you know, I didn't really know what the hell was going mm -hmm. on, right? Um, so anyways, this ended up going on for several years. Uh, until I was uh, just getting ready to go to junior high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I mean, other than that, I, I mean, my childhood was normal, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I did good in school. I was into, you know, I was into sports and everything. I had friends and, and all that stuff, but I was always so, um, I was always, like I lived in fear all the time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Eventually it catches up to us. Yeah, like that I would, you know, that people were going to know about this horrible thing that I did, right? And and it was, like, it was terrible because it was, like, a, I got a, f it didn't happen all the time, but every time it was, like, the first time it happened, right? You yeah. know, a nice fresh batch of shame to uh, mm. to deal with. But I think I, you know, I think I stayed fairly normal. I wasn't, like, uh, withdrawn or anything like that. Mm. I was still a pretty outgoing kid and... And yeah, and then kind of carried on. Uh, my parents tried sending me uh, to psychiatrists. Uh, that didn't seem to do any good. They even sent me to a hypnotist once, which mm -hmm. was super creepy. Uh, I bet. You know, go to this dude's house and, and you know, go down into the basement and he's like, get in that comfortable chair there. And, yeah. And of course, I mean, I was... It sounds like an after-school special in the making, though, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like, come into my house, go come down to my, my basement, house. sit exactly. in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was super weird, right? And, Jeez. And by this point, I mean, uh, I was I was like, if this guy touches me, man, I'm going to, like, punch mm. him in the head, right? Mm. Um, so anyways, they couldn't figure it out, um, it, so it kind of dragged on. Um, and then just as a kind of, I guess, around the time I was getting ready to go to junior high, my uncle... Uh, my uncle Ray was a researcher at the U of A hospital in Edmonton, and and he was having a beer with a, a doctor one day, and the guy was a urologist, and the guy said to him, "Bring him in, and uh, I'll check him out." So I went went into this guy's office at the U of A, uh, 
And he's like, okay, I want you in here like tomorrow or something. We're going to do some tests. Uh, they pumped me full of dye. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know how to do this before, right? Yeah. So they filled me up with some dye and, and then x-rayed me. And lo and behold, they found this problem uh, that I had been injured down there. And it had affected the, the muscle that mm -hmm. keeps, uh, keeps everything closed when you're sleeping, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was like two days later uh, into the hospital, uh, surgery, a uh, couple more days in the hospital, and, and it never happened again. It was gone, right? Yeah. And it was like, oh, happy day. No <laughs> doubt. Know? Like, I was like, it was so... That would uh, be incredibly life-altering. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, holy shit, like, you know, because there was things I couldn't do before, right? Because yeah. I didn't, you know, like, I hated the idea of, you know, my friends or my or anybody knowing about it right mm. so anyway so that was all fixed up and by this time I'm in I'm in junior high you know I got uh, I got friends but I it made me so secretive and so mm. um, like I could uh, that's when I sort of developed uh, the ability to just go elsewhere like mm. you know to leave myself and mm. disassociate yeah disassociate with what's going on around me uh, and so I never had like close friends, right? I had I was friends with kind of everybody, but mm -hmm. I didn't really have have one group of friends that I got really close to. And I didn't I, that never happened for me in high school. I had lots of friends, but I don't like I'm not in touch with any of my mm -hmm. friends from high school, uh, except for you know once in a while on Facebook or something. Um, so yeah, here I was, kind of normal. Uh, went into high school. So my next older brother was Brad, he was two years older than me, and then I had Mitch and Kelly, my next two oldest brothers. Uh, so I went to grade 10, and my brother Brad was in grade 12. He was like this super gifted athlete, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like the standout star on all the, you know, hockey, volleyball, everything, baseball, uh, like just this incredible athlete, and me and him were pretty close. Um, and so in, yeah, in high school, I was sitting home one night, and and all of a sudden I look out the window and there's a police car driving into the, into the farmyard and I'm like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And, and these two cops come up to the door and they're like, are your parents home? And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> and they're like, oh, so they gave me a card or something. They said, tell them to call us uh, if you hear from them. And off they went and Brad had, my brother Brad, he had been in trouble uh, lots of times with the cops, right? Mm -hmm. Not just for minor shit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, what did you do this time, right? And uh, and then a little later, my uh, my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, boyfriend, who was around forever, and uh, all of a sudden I see his truck coming in, and I'm like, okay, now what's going on? Like, mm -hmm. something's going on here, right? And he came up, and, and he told me that Brad had been killed. Um, wow. Him and his, we fought, I found out later that, uh, <coughs> like, it was a weekend, right? And mm -hmm. him and his buddies were out partying, which they they did all the time. He used to drive all his coaches crazy because he loved to party. He was one of us, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were going from, they weren't going far, but they were going from one party to another. So a bunch of them jumped in the back of one of the guy's trucks and on the way he, whatever happened anyways, he fell out of the truck and landed on his head and, uh, and was killed. Oh. Um, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was rough. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. And, and I mean, I was different again, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course. Uh, so. I don't really remember much from around his funeral. Like I remember family coming from all over. Like mm -hmm. I come from an enormous family. Uh, like to give you an idea how big my family is, my 
mom's brother's family. Uh, right now, they're standing at 92 people. 92 descendants from my mom's brother and, and his wife. Oh, wow. 92 of them. Because <laughs> there was 10 kids, right? Yeah. And, Holy. Yeah, we have lots of families Grandkids, like Grandkids, great yeah. grand, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so huge. Wow. So there's all these people coming to the farm and uh, for this. Guys starting armies out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I know by that point, I mean, I had started drinking, right? Mm. Uh, I had started drinking in junior high, um, you know, and started getting into pot a little bit. Um, but we never had very much money. You know, we'd steal from our parents and stuff like that. But it wasn't a regular thing yet. But once I got into high school, then that was kind of what we did on the weekends. We were all, always scrounging up something, right? Um, so, I mean, my parents, it wasn't unusual for me to be drinking beer in a mm -hmm. situation like that. Like, they knew I was going to have some beers. And, yeah. And it wasn't a big deal, right? Uh, so, I know I did a lot of drinking around then, but I, like, I, did, I wasn't falling down or mm -hmm. shit, anything like that, right? Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, the, but the biggest thing, I think, for, for my disease is, uh, like, my brother's buddies felt bad, right? And mm -hmm. they, they decided they were going to take me under their wing, right? Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden I'm going to like the grad parties, right? Mm -hmm. I'm partying with all the guys in grade 12 and, yeah. and their friends that are already out of high school mm -hmm. and, and all that. So, and I started to sort of move away from my friends, right? And, uh, and I kind of left uh, sports behind then too, mm -hmm. right? Because I was like, I was getting to go to all the cool parties. I thought it was kind of cool, right? Um, it would have been. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking back about high school, that would have been pretty rad. Oh yeah. 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 Hanging out with those guys. Yeah. Right? And and I and I was a good student too. So I had set. I had worked. Uh, I had taken all my courses really busily in grade ten and eleven, and and first semester in grade twelve. So my my last semester of grade twelve, I had uh, gym in the morning three times a week, and like social studies or something mm -hmm. two days a week in the morning, mm -hmm. and that was it. I had afternoons off, for, nice. you know, for that second semester. So I spent my afternoons with the guys, right, mm -hmm. that, with these guys that were already out of school. And um, so yeah, so uh, I guess high school was pretty, pretty normal. I um, like no girlfriends or anything like that. I was still way too shy, even if I was drinking in that. Mm. Uh, but I was, I was like. It's a familiar thing. I really felt totally separate from, from especially my friends my age, mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I mean I felt separate from my brother's friends too because they were older and and that right. So I felt like I was kind of I was in a, somewhere in between, <coughs> and uh, kind of lost my train of thought there. It's all good, man. You were talking about hanging out with your brother's friends after school, and because you only had half days for the oh, second semester. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, so I'm kind of jumping ahead of here a bit, but That's in okay. my uh, at my tenth high school reunion, they had put on the invitations for everybody bring, to bring pictures. Mm -hmm. So pe people brought all these pictures, and my mom was a teacher uh, in that high school that I went to, and she had saved all kinds of pictures. Mm -hmm. And and I remember at my tenth reunion. We'd be looking at pictures, and there'd be pictures of a whole group of us in a picture, and everybody's drinking, and you know they're all arms around each other and everything. Mm -hmm. And then you look off to the side of the frame, and I'd be like standing off to the side of the frame with a smile on my face, mm -hmm. 
had a beer in my hand, but mm -hmm. I was by yourself. Yeah, I was off yeah. to the side, right? It was weird. I've I never thought of that before until that mm. tenth reunion. I was yeah. like, that is weird. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like people even commented. They're like, how come you're always off to the side in the mm -hmm. pictures, right? Um, but I mean, it was still, you know, it was still a pretty normal uh, childhood growing mm -hmm. up like that, right? Um, my parents had started uh, education savings funds for me and my older brother, mm. uh, and they had paid into both of them, um, and my marks were good enough to get it to get accepted to university. Uh, I wanted to be a journalist, so mm -hmm. I was going to do a year at uh, the U of A, and then I was going to transfer down to Ottawa to Carleton mm -hmm. and take journalism down there. Um, so yeah, so that was the plan, and I mean, I was, like I was working it, I was, uh, when I was in high school, I worked at the local radio station, I uh, wrote copy and, mm -hmm. and stuff for the radio station, and I was like the, I worked for the local newspaper too, I was like covering the local sports mm -hmm. scene and all that, so I, I was doing right that on. all in high school, right? And, yeah. And I had all these plans, and, uh, and then this was, this was when one of the big recessions hit in Alberta, and my parents... Uh, they lost a ton, uh, all kinds of money, um, uh, all, like issues came up and they, they called me aside one day and they said, we need to talk to you. And, and they, they told me what was going on. They said, like, we're, we're really close to the bank taking the farm. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, well, we're thinking we're going to need to cash in the education funds and use that money. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead do it, mm -hmm. right? Whatever you got to do. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't feel like I was getting, you know, ripped off or anything. I was mm -hmm. just like, well, fuck. It's for the family, right? Yeah, yeah. that's, that's what, the way it is, right? Uh, so I didn't go straight to university. I took a year off. Went, moved into Edmonton. Uh, my brother was bartending in Edmonton, and he got me a job as a bar porter at a, at a nightclub there in town, and I started working in the bar business. Um, and maybe not the best uh, career path for me because I got hooked right away on that lifestyle. Mm. And I started hanging out with guys older than me again, right? Mm. Uh, like my brother was still one of the younger guys around there and he was the, my oldest brother. Mm. So he was six years older than me. But I, like all of a sudden, like I even faked my ID to get my first job, right? And so I'm like 17 and I'm hanging out with guys in their 30s and 40s. and. Mm. And uh, and loving it, right? I was making all kinds of money. Uh, like I worked at some pretty high class places, uh, lots of sports figures and, and that kind of thing at the bars. And uh, this is back when the Oilers were winning all their cups. Mm -hmm. And oh yeah, when Gretzky was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that whole time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, after after the one year, I did enroll at university, but it didn't last very long. Uh, I was having way too much fun to, to, and I didn't have the discipline to make myself go to class and everything. So I, I started failing classes, and then they, they eventually asked me to, to pull out. Uh, so I just kept working in the bar business. Um, by then, I was actually bartending. Uh, you know, back in those days, I was making, you know, between, you know, two hundred bucks a night. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, beers were like two bucks, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I had ton wads and wads yeah. of cash, yeah. and I loved the lifestyle, right? Uh, um, like it was a slow pitch, and 
and the bar business, and, and I knew everybody in every bar, and you know, mm. like I could walk into every bar, and everybody knew me, and and you know, and all the, you know, I worked in some of the sports bars and that, and and uh, and really got caught up in that whole scene, and I, you know, I would, I'll, to be honest, I love it, right? Mm -hmm. It was it was fantastic, and at this point, I don't. At this point, I think it was in that, you know, where it says in the big book, at some point in everybody's drinking career, mm -hmm. they pass into that phase where they lose their choice. Yeah. I was somewhere in there. Right? My whole point. 20s, I was in that bar business. Yeah. And somewhere along the line there, I passed into yeah. that, that next stage of my drinking, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even though I didn't notice it at the time. Um, but yeah, had some incredible experiences. Uh, um, went, to, went to Ron Lowe's. Uh, Stag and uh, his wife, like it was a mixer, and all the Oilers, like all the players, are there with their wives, mm. and, and uh, bartended Dave Hunter's uh, Stag. Um, like those, none of them would remember me or mm. nothing like that, right? Yeah, but, but it was just cool when. But it's memorable for you. Yeah, because you're a young guy in that yeah. situation, right? Yeah, and and by this point, I wasn't, you know, mortally terrified of girls anymore. So, the, you know, that was kind of a. That was kind of a new thing for me too, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this kind of carried on uh, through my <clears throat> through most of my twenties, I guess, and and by the end of my twenties, I I finally said, I could tell by then that that I was different, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, I was out, like I was, you know, I was always last, right? I was always uh, before before we last call was even. On the horizon, I was already going around to my friends and saying, "Where are we going after? What are we doing mm -hmm. after?" And and uh, you know, does anybody do you have any booze at home? Do you you know do you have drugs? Mm -hmm. And and trying to get it all set up all the time. And so I kind of knew I was different, and I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a change and tried a tried a few other things, roofed for a couple of years, and uh, tried a few other things, and I ended up working on a golf course. Just I thought just as a temporary job. Mm -hmm. Uh, working on the, the grounds crew, mm -hmm. and uh, just found I really liked it, right? Uh, being outside all day, um, usually working alone, right? So it was yeah. kind of solitary, it was a nice mm -hmm. change. And, and it was good work too, right? Like it was satisfying work, and the money was the shits. Um, mm. So I did that for a couple of years, and then and I had talked to my bosses at the golf course, and I didn't realize that you could actually make a career of that, right? Mm -hmm. That you could be a golf course superintendent. And you can go to college for it and everything. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, and that's what I ended up doing. Right, right on. As I, I applied up to Fairview College for the turf management uh, course up there, two-year course. Uh, you had to go up there and live right there in, mm -hmm. in, um, in Fairview. Uh, so yeah, so I had, I had, I had been out of the bar business for a while, but I was still a bar guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, all my social life, everything still revolved around bars. Uh, that's where I spent my spare time. Still played uh, slow pitch on bar teams and mm -hmm. like I had just, I wasn't working in there anymore. So I actually ended up drinking more mm -hmm. because before I was at least working yeah. mostly nights, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my drinking would have to wait till after work kind of thing. Um, So yeah, and then that summer um, before I went up to Fairview was a uh, was a rough one. Um, my grandparents on my dad's side of the family, uh, who I had spent all kinds of time with when I was a kid, mm -hmm. 
Uh, used to go with them, spend at least a month every summer with them. We'd go to Saskatchewan back to family out there and, and then I'd stay with them up in Manning where they lived. My grandpa looked after the golf course up there because uh, he was retired. Um, but they were both in, my grandma was in poor health and she ended up passing away in the spring. And my grandpa, who was in supposedly good health, died a month later. Mm. Uh, just packed her in, I think. Mm -hmm. They'd been married over 60 years. Yeah. Um, I've heard that that's actually pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like out of the blue, all of a yeah. sudden he, he ended up, you know, it was like grandpa's in the hospital. Everybody's mm -hmm. like, what's going on? Like, and then, boof, he was gone. Yeah. Um, and then, and during this time, my dad had been sick with cancer as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so he was pretty sick and everything, but he was, he was happy that I was make, you know, making this change and, mm -hmm. and everything. And, and then I was still roofing. I had gone back roofing with a buddy of mine, my, probably my best friend, Gory. And, uh, and we were roofing. And, I don't know, I wasn't roofing with him. I was still at the golf course. But, and he was roofing, and I got a phone call one day, and uh, he was 40, and he had a heart attack, a uh, massive heart attack on the roof and died. Uh, wow. Just dropped him, died at yeah. 40 years old. Uh, and he was, like, he was my best friend, and I was like, Jesus, what's, like, this is not good. And I was mm -hmm. drinking and drinking and drinking all. That's rough, man. Yeah, by this point I was drinking just crazy. And then um, a month before I was supposed to go up to Fairview, my dad died. Oh, and yeah, I was like, uh, like we had a big, huge, we had a family reunion scheduled for that summer and it turned into my dad's wake. Mm. So there was huge family everywhere and, yeah. uh, and it turned into like a five day wake. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I was drunk the whole time. I don't remember very much of it. Uh, mm. Driving home, I remember I had a seizure, which was my one and only ever seizure. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure what it brought it on or anything. Because I was still drinking, yeah. Like I was still drunk driving home. Uh, so, anyways, off I went up to Fairview, uh, like basically a mess. Uh, and I was quite a bit older than everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thirty-three by this point, and and most of the guys in the class were in their twenties, right? Young, early twenties. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went up there, um, did well in in the classes and that. I had uh, like I, my marks were right up, you know, right up at the top of the the class, I guess, but I was in shit all the time from drinking, right? Um, always, always doing something stupid and, uh, you know, getting called by, called by the program administrator guy into his office and he'd be like, you know, giving me shit for this or that and getting in trouble and, but my marks were good. Uh, but I ended up getting booted out of the residence there in my second year. Um, and then I actually went back into the residence to grab a textbook that I had left uh, with a friend of mine and got caught doing that and got charged with trespassing. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, they were not they happy. They weren't messing around. They were, yeah, they were not happy with me. <laughs> and then at the big graduation ceremony, like a dummy, I was drunk and I decided to get up and say a few words uh, that I thought were pretty funny, uh, but it was kind of inappropriate. Uh, so they were even more unhappy with me, and then, <laughs> I, like I graduated and everything, but they will, they withheld my diploma for two years okay. before before they issued me a, a diploma. <laughs> Don't fuck with the administration. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So we had been on a road trip uh, during school, and I had uh, we had come here to Calgary, and I had 
uh, we had gone on a out to the Hamptons golf course here in Calgary and, and seen it, and it's a beautiful golf course. And, and, and then when I got back to school and everything, and we, I started looking around at jobs, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw that ad at the, at, the, at the Strath, or at the Hamptons. So I applied for it, uh, came down here and did, a, did an interview and got the job. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I always ask myself why I, I'm not really sure why I decided to leave Edmonton, right? Mm. Like I had, I'm, the friends I made in the bar business were the best friends I made, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I was really close to, because I made, they were my own friends, right? Mm -hmm. They weren't my brother's uh, bar friends and they weren't from school and all that. They were mm -hmm. friendships I made on my own. And, and I don't know, for some reason, like I, I don't know why I left Edmonton. Because uh, immediately that all started to recede too, right? Mm -hmm. that's, by then that was kind of my nature. Uh, so I moved down here, um, and then, then kind of I started just into that cycle, right? Um, still a bar guy all the time. I was working at the Hamptons, working all kinds of hours, uh, always getting shit at work for being late at work and being uh, hungover in the morning. And I was, I was, like I was in a supervisory role mm -hmm. at that golf course, right? I was a uh, second assistant superintendent, so, uh, you know, I was in a supervisory role and I was wandering in after everybody was like already out the door and gone mm -hmm. to work, right? Um, but I lasted there seven years. My, the work I did was great. Like I always, like I was uh, skilled at my work. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then that just kind of started. I ended up, uh, after seven years, uh, me and my boss agreed that I sh we should part ways. And I applied for and got a job up at the golf course back in Edson, my hometown. Mm. So I went back up there. I thought, okay, fresh start, right? Uh, went there and I didn't even last half the year before I got fired for, uh, for being late for work all the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I stayed there for a little while, did some bartending there and then moved I uh, ended up moving down to Strathmore. Um, they had applied, by this point I was a curling ice maker. Am I dragging this over? Not at all. So Yeah, not at all. Yes. I have no idea what time it is, but you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so by this point I, I took a job as the ice maker out at uh, the Strathmore Curling Rink and I was working on the golf course there and, and, and I met a girl out there and we were living together so I, I sort of toned things down a mm. bit. Um, but I was still a bar guy. That's what I did, right? Uh, I was always lying to to my to Ivy all the time about drinking and that. Um, but it wasn't really affecting my work. Um, what else was going on around that time? Um, my sister Jody. I should talk about my sister a bit, mm -hmm. probably. Um, so she she was the oldest. So she was uh, eight years older than me. And, and her boyfriend, Doug, who's my, my brother-in-law, right? They started dating uh, shortly after we moved to Edson. So he's always been around and he was like my, mm -hmm. he was kind of like my de facto big brother. Mm -hmm. Like my two brothers, uh, my oldest brother, Kelly, he was, he was a bit of an odd duck. Uh, and I'm, I'll probably talk about him a little later, but, but Doug was the, he was like the big mm -hmm. brother guy, right? That, you know, spent time with me and, mm -hmm. And that, and and once they started having their, they got married, and then they started having kids, and I spent a lot of time with them, going on 
I'd go with them on vacations and because I was uh, like I wasn't I was still pretty young right mm -hmm. so I'd, we'd go skiing and, and stuff like that and I was always really really close to my sister um, like always over the years she had always even when I was going through that shit when I was a kid right mm -hmm. she was always uh, you know I can't really say a my brothers weren't the greatest about mm -hmm. it, uh, but my sister was awesome about it, right? Mm -hmm. And she had, uh, around that time, she got diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, so she had a double mastectomy, mm -hmm. uh, and everything was good. Went into remission. Um, so there I was out in, in Strathmore. Uh, by this point, my drinking had become like a serious issue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was pretty much every day, uh, not all, like I didn't drink at work or anything like that. Um, but I mean, I, um, I, I actually left the golf course and I got a job in Calgary at a steel shop and I was there for four years making big money and, and, that, and I started drinking on the way home from that, right? It was a half hour commute and I could pound a six pack on the mm -hmm. way home, no problem, right? Uh, and then I'd go to the, I'd usually stop at the bar and have a few there, tell, you know, tell the old lady I only had one or two and, mm -hmm. uh, and got into that cycle of lying all the time. And, and, you know, and at this point, lots of people had noticed that it was, by then people knew that it was a major problem in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I could never, I could never admit it and. And like I lived in fear that people thought that of me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, like I hated the idea that people thought that I couldn't handle my booze, right? Because mm -hmm. that was, you know, growing up, that was sort of like a benchmark for me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like all my dad loved, and all his friends loved to drink and party, mm -hmm. and so it was that kind of, it was like that for me, right? I always wanted to be able to party with the, mm -hmm. the older guys, right? Like a badge of honor, right? Yeah. Uh, So, oh, yeah, so I guess uh, the next kind of thing, um, eventually uh, the girl I was with left. She packed up and, and moved away. And, and when me and her first got together, her daughter, Tammy, had lived with us. She was about 13 or so, I think, at the time when we got together. And, <clears throat> and so she lived with us for quite a while, and then she was out on her own. And, and she ended up getting pregnant when she was pretty young. Uh, and her boyfriend split right away, so she came and lived with us and uh, was living with us when she had her baby. And, and me and her got close, right? Like she was, uh, you know, I was stepdad and, mm -hmm. and she was my stepdaughter and, and everything. And, and then she ended up having another kid and by the time, by the time her, her mom left me, so she had two daughters and I was grandpa, right? And, mm -hmm. and that, by this point I was pretty much a mess. Uh, I was starting to kind of drive her away too, mm -hmm. um, and that and that terrified me the thought of, because uh, even though she was like I was close to her as a stepdaughter, mm -hmm. but those two little girls, I mean, I was they were mm -hmm. my grandkids, right? Yeah, that, that was just there was nothing I could do about that, uh, and the thought of losing that used to just like it would keep me awake at night, mm -hmm. right? But I couldn't stop, uh, and eventually I got to the point where I was. I got fired from that job in, in Calgary, went back to the golf course. Uh, and by this point, I was sneaking beers at work and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, living in a shitty little apartment. Uh, 
And yeah, it just got worse and worse. And, and, uh, and then I don't know what happened. Uh, I mean, I look back at it now and I know it had something to do with my higher power, but like I was living in this shitty apartment. Uh, I wasn't even working anymore. Mm. Uh, I wasn't at the golf course anymore. So I'd get up in the morning and, and go to the bar when the bar opened and then I'd drink there during the day until my drinking buddies who were, most of them were married and that, they'd go home and, and do whatever they did at home and then I'd, I'd go get beer and go back to my apartment. Uh, didn't have a TV or anything like that. And I was to the point where like, I couldn't sit still. Like it, yeah. you know, the skin crawling mm -hmm. feeling, right? I, it was like that, I, couldn't, I could never get to sleep. Uh, and unless I got enough in me to just knock me out. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, passing out and sleeping are two different things. Totally, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I never got any rest, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember one day I was in the bar, and I, I mean, I was friends with the bartender, bartender. Her name was Sue. She was a normie, and, and she looked at me. I'll never forget one day she looked at me in the bar, and she said, have you taken a look at yourself in the mirror lately? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And then the next time I went to the bathroom, I looked and I didn't see anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just looked normal to me. But I remember her saying that. Uh, uh, what was going on around then with my family? Uh, my mom got sick around that time. I didn't really talk about my mom a whole lot. She was, she was extraordinary. Uh, she was a teacher uh, her whole life. Uh, she, like she was a teacher as I was growing up and all my friends loved her. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't like you usually hear everybody hates your mom because mm -hmm. she's a teacher. All my yeah. friends in school loved her, right? Uh, and she was, uh, she was a real uh, different kind of lady, right? Uh, loved to dress up for any occasion mm -hmm. and drag my dad along and, and all that. And, and around that time, she, uh, she was actually living in Strathmore. She got sick. Uh, she finally got sick, sick. She was in her 80s, I think, by then. And, and she ended up passing away around that time. Mm -hmm. uh, I went out. She was uh, in Brooks at the time in the hospital there. And I had gone out uh, to spend some time out there before she died. And, and I was hammered at the hospital and got asked to leave the hospital and that kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and, and then, uh, yeah, she ended up passing away, uh, kind of. Don't really remember a hell of a lot about all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, the, that was kind of where I was. Uh, that was to my rock bottom, right? Mm -hmm. I was just, uh, I was like inert, like I couldn't move forward or backward. Mm -hmm. I just, it was just like, like I just was, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just doing that same thing over and over again. Um, and then, yeah, uh, my my sister had come. I'd, over the years, she had talked to me a couple times, right? Oh, here's a good example. I should tell you this story because this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> about, about how dishonest I was about yeah. my drinking. Right? Okay. So mm -hmm. over, over the course of my career, I had four impairs. Mm -hmm. I had one when I was 17, when I was still in grade 12. Mm -hmm. I got one uh, with, a, with my parents' car full of my friends. Mm -hmm. Like if I had if I'd hit something or someone... Uh, it would have been an absolute disaster, mm -hmm. right? I think there were seven of us in wow. my mom and dad's big Dodge boat yeah. uh, when I got pulled over. And then I got another one shortly after I moved to Edmonton, uh, one in my 30s, uh, and then another one, I think, in my 40s. So they never, they never sent me to jail, but they, like the first one, 
Or the second one, they sent me, I had to go do some ADAC thing where you mm -hmm. go away for a weekend and they t teach you how to count your drinks and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, useless shit like that. But I, but I hadn't really, <laughs> except for my first one, I never told anybody about any of my other impairments, right? Mm -hmm. I'd just fake it. And, and like if my, if my mom was around and we were going somewhere, I'd just drive, right? Mm -hmm. I would just jump in the driver's seat and drive and, and not tell her that I was doing it without a license. And, um, but I try to remember to keep my train of thought here. Oh, so yeah, so they did that. And then my third one, I forget, they did something else. I had to go take some other course. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then when I got my fourth one, the judge, he finally kind of had enough and he yeah. said, so he gave me a year suspension. Uh, I had to go do a 21 day, uh, detox rehab slash rehab thing mm -hmm. up at Headwood in Edmonton. Um, I did attend AA meetings for six months and I had to do a year of probation. Uh, so I went and did the, I went, I'm already right. I'm working. Um, I was I was when I was living in Edson for that brief mm -hmm. couple of years, right? Um, so I lied to everybody there. Uh, told them I was just taking some time off, and I actually went out to my sisters and my brother-in-laws and Brooks, and we were sitting around the fire out there one night having a few drinks, and I told them uh, I don't think I was drinking. I think I was I decided not to drink that weekend or something, and I told them. In all, uh, you know, I gave them the toll spiel. I said, you know, so I've decided to do something. And they're like, oh, yeah, what? And I said, well, you know, I've been really thinking a lot about my drinking and how much problems it's causing me. And so I've decided to mm -hmm. check myself in to Henwood <clears throat> for a 21-day treatment program. Like, I've, I delivered it as though it was all my idea. Yeah, and you came up with it because it was a good idea. Yeah, because it was, you know, look how, <laughs> look how proactive I'm being yeah. uh, doing nice something touch. about my... Yeah, it was a great touch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they were, of course, they were just super excited and super proud of me and everything. And I'm surprised they didn't pay for your plane ticket. Yeah, like it was ridiculous, <laughs> right? Uh, so... <laughs> And I mean, it wasn't the first time I'd come up with an elaborate uh, story like mm -hmm. that to cover things, right? Um, so off I went to Henwood. Um, didn't really get anything out of it. Uh, and, but there was AA meetings. Where there was an AA meeting there in the, in the place once a week that we had to go to. Uh, but I mean, I was there on a court order, right? I didn't yeah. pay attention to anything. I just told them what they wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I got out of there, got the, my little chip, uh, went straight to the bar in Edmonton, started drinking, uh, just picked up right where I left off. I didn't even try to stay sober, really. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that was, uh, I always remember how dishonest I was on that. So then, yeah, so then fast forward. So there I am in, in, um, in Strathmore, and my, my sister had come, uh, to see me a couple of years before that and talk to me about maybe going to, uh, you know, maybe trying AA again or something like that. Oh, and when I when I did all that too with the probation and the mm -hmm. AA meeting, I didn't really do any of that. Yeah. Uh, my probation officer, she was like two years ahead of me in, in school and she remembered me and she just kind of signed off on everything for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't, I didn't do all of those AA meetings. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I was working in a bar, like I wasn't on probation, I was working mm -hmm. in a bar. And, and uh, so yeah, dishonesty uh, mm -hmm. by that point was 
about everything, right? And then I don't know. Uh, I don't know what happened. I uh, I was pacing around in my place, couldn't sleep. Uh, and one one all of a sudden, I don't know. I just had this this idea that I had to I had to get out of there. I had to uh, I had to get out of that apartment. Uh, I had to get out of Strathmore. Uh, so I packed up my shit, you know, in garbage bags, threw it in the back of my truck. Uh, I stopped where my stepdaughter was working and, and told her I was leaving. And she's like, where are you going? And I said, I don't know. Uh, I said, I think I'm going to go to my sister's. And that's, that's what I ended up doing. I drove out to Brooks and I went to my sister's and knocked on her door. And, and she answered the door and she had kind of a surprised look on her face. And I guess I wasn't looking too great at this mm -hmm. point, right? And she was like, oh, she, you know, she was like, hey, what are you doing here? And I, I remember I just said, I, I need some help, right? Mm -hmm. I got to do something about this. And, and so they, yeah, her and Doug took me in and, and started feeding me. And, uh, and I got some, they, the first thing they did was took me to see a doctor uh, the very next day, took me to get a physical. Mm -hmm. uh, and he prescribed some sleeping pills and some... Uh, some like mild um, sedative, I guess, mm -hmm. like for because I was so anxious all mm -hmm. the time and everything, just something to just kind of calm me down a bit. Uh, but he said I was okay; I didn't need to detox or anything like that. Um, so, and then they they took me for a psych evaluation, uh, and the lady I don't remember too much about that, but I I know she did say that I was definitely. Uh, depressed and, mm. and anxiety and that kind of stuff and and so they put me on sertraline or something like that I think and so I stayed at my sister's for a month and we went online and we started looking around for places for me to go and we decided right off uh, that a place like Henwood or, or Landers wasn't going to cut it mm -hmm. um, that I needed a more of a long term a longer program mm -hmm. uh, and then Actually, one of my nieces actually was looking online too, and she found out at about 1835 here in Calgary. Yeah, good and spot. So, yeah, and so I uh, I made the phone call there, uh, went in, did a did an in-person interview, um, and then they said, "Okay, we got a bed for you. Come back next Wednesday or something like that." Mm. So this would have been I think March of 2018. Uh, yeah, off I went to, off I went to 1835, and uh, by this point I had a bit of a hate on for AA because of being forced to go to those meetings mm -hmm. and everything, but it was all bullshit, right? It was yeah. all just me. Uh, so then when I get into 1835, and uh, for the people who don't know 1835, it's 24-7, big book. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's like 24-7 AA, basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a 24-hour-a-day uh, AA program, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, pretty you much. Yeah, you study the big book, you study AA literature, yeah. you, you do meetings, you do group sessions, everything revolves around the 12-step program. So careful what you're trying to avoid, what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah, and I get there, and I was pretty convinced <laughs> that I was in the wrong place, right? Uh, like, I I was. I was like, this this won't be this won't be the place for me. Mm. This is AA. I'm not, this isn't what I signed on for, right? Like, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo me, right? Uh, 
But I mean, uh, I had that gift of desperation. I had nowhere else to go. Like, I, there was no way I was going to phone my sister up and say, "Hey, I don't like it here. Mm -hmm. Can I, you know, can I go somewhere else or anything?" So I just said, "Okay, well, let's do it." Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was so used to uh, being on my own by then, right? What? Uh, like, I, I, for years and years and years, I never had anybody that I could really talk to, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I could talk to my sister better than I could talk to anybody else, but there was still a lot I held back from her because mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to hurt her or anything, right? Um, so, yeah, eventually I kind of said, okay, well, let's do it. Uh, but I never talked to, I talked to, you know, the other guys in the house that came in around my time, you know, and we'd go to meetings together, but I didn't get close with anybody. Uh, I didn't really talk to any of the counselors unless I had to, something to do with, uh, you know, with my steps because they mm -hmm. take you through the first five steps there. And yeah. But I never just went and talked. You know, yeah. told anybody about anything. Just out of the blue, went and sat down and yeah. chatted. Yeah. Yeah. Or went there with something on my mind. Mm -hmm. You know. That, you know, and said, "Hey, I need to talk to somebody." Or mm -hmm. never did anything like that. Um, but I was, I was doing what I thought I was supposed to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and got, partially, you were doing exactly what you needed to do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I got a home group. I joined Daily Reflections, mm -hmm. and because uh, it was. I started going to that Thursday night meeting. I couldn't go to the daytime meetings because mm -hmm. I was in treatment, but I really liked the Thursday night meeting. Uh, so I joined the group, uh, ended up getting volunteered for a service position. Uh, once I finished my initial treatment at 1835, I went into phase two. Mm -hmm. So I was still living in the house, but I was back working. And, uh, and I started to try to get involved with, with the home group, uh, took a service position. Uh, I was hitting lots of meetings, uh, but that was about it, right? I was mm -hmm. trying to do it just on on that. I didn't, I never talked to any about my, my fantasy of once I had some time in of, you know, uh, mm -hmm. taking two weeks and going on an all-inclusive vacation to Mexico and getting hammered for two weeks and mm -hmm. then coming back and just starting back up where I left. And, yeah. and that would be my little routine, right? I'd do a little holiday every mm -hmm. year. And, but I just told myself I was just, you know, that was just a little fantasy. But, but it, you know, it undermined. I never talked to anybody about it, right? Uh, so eventually, I, eventually, I moved into phase three at 1835. So I'm living next door in a fourplex, uh, and I got a roommate, and I still have some some responsibilities around the house, but mostly free to do my own thing. And it wasn't long after that I found myself on the road out to Brooks to go see my sister, and I had a had a king can in my hand, mm. and I was around probably ten months sober at this mm -hmm. point. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, I can. This is what I plan to do anyways. Is mm -hmm. that when I when I can get away with it, I would have a couple of drinks, mm -hmm. and and then I would just go back to my AA life, right? Uh, and of course, that didn't that didn't last very long. Uh, went back to. Went back to the house one night and stopped at the smoke pit to have a smoke with a couple of the other guys. Somebody smelled beer on me and uh, and I got booted out. I was I wasn't drinking in my apartment or anything, but sometimes I'd have a couple and then I'd go home and go mm -hmm. to bed. Right. So I got kicked out at eighteen thirty-five. Um, went to went to the Dream Center for a while, but by then I had I wasn't even trying to hide anything. By then, mm -hmm. uh, only lasted about a week at the Dream Center before they booted me out for for blowing over uh, so I moved into my truck 
Uh, and I was living, I was working at a golf course slash curling rink here in town, which was a great job for me. Like it was a great job. Uh, but I was drinking at work, right? I was drinking at work, I was sneaking beers. You know, they'd send me out to whatever, cut fairways or something, and I'd have a few beers in my lunch kit. And uh, I never got caught or anything, but they noticed the one guy found me passed out in my truck there one morning when he showed up for work and because I had gone there and slept overnight, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so eventually I, I just quit going to work. Um, and then I, uh, and then around that time, my sister Jody, who had, uh, her breast cancer had come back, um, and it, it had metastasized, and she she was really sick all all during this kind of time, uh, and she ended up passing away. She died. Uh, oh, I finally got her, and I'm sorry, and, man. Yeah, it sucked. Uh, Cause she was my, like she was that, like home wasn't even really where necessarily where mom and dad were. Mm -hmm. Because after, after I left home and so all us kids were gone, yeah. mom and dad moved around, you mm -hmm. know, uh, for a bit. But Jody and Doug, you know, they were always in one place for quite a while. And, and I'd, you know, I'd usually go there for Christmas and stuff. And <laughs> so I felt like, you know, things had been cut out from under me. Mom and dad were gone. Now Jody was gone. And, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and I mean, I everybody was so you know so worried about me at that point and everything, and I managed to keep it together at her funeral. Uh, I didn't not drink, uh, but I had my own hotel room, and and I you know I had some booze up in my room, and I'd disappear every once in a while, and and just have enough like I'd have a couple of coolers or something, so I didn't reek, uh, just enough so I could get through it. Right, mm -hmm. like I didn't get drunk. Um, uh, somehow got uh, got through her funeral, um, and my niece, my other niece from a, my brother, one of his daughters, she'd been living up in Camrose for years in a big house, just her and her son. And and at Jody's funeral, she said, "Why don't you come and live with me for a while and try to find a job up in Camrose?" So we decided that's what I was going to do. Uh, at some point, I was going to go up there uh, and try to find find work up there. Um, but I still I still stayed in Calgary for a while. I was uh, I was just kind of doing nothing. And then I ended up actually going back out to Strathmore and a friend of mine had a had a little trailer out on this acreage and he said I could go stay in that little trailer for a while. And so I ended up staying there for a while and, and doing my thing, right? Uh, like I was back to drinking like just uh, like I had just as bad as I was before I went to 1835, right? Mm -hmm. Just back in that rut. Um, somehow got out of that, went up to to Camrose, and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So I'm up there in Camrose, and COVID hits, and all of a sudden we're in lockdown. Um, and my niece, her one rule was no drinking, right? Mm -hmm. And I had assured her that that wouldn't be a thing. Uh, as soon as I got up there, I was drinking. I was just hiding it. Uh, I thought. <laughs> so yeah, so it kind of did that. Uh, and I did that. I was up there for probably seven or eight months uh, during COVID. And then, I don't know, uh, on my whatever birthday it was, one, one time on my birthday and I was, she had gone out of town or something and I had the house to myself and I had 
bought a bunch of beer and I was sitting around drinking. And, and on my birthday, for some reason, I just decided that was it. Uh, that I had to go back to 1835, right? Mm -hmm. So I, uh, the next day I made the phone call to 1835, talked to Jason, the guy that I had talked to the very first time. He remembered me, I said, I gotta come back. He was like, okay. He said, let's, let's get, get her going, right? Uh, but I didn't get in for an interview until in January sometime. So I was still kind of drinking. Uh, by this point I was trying Ativan to try to stay off the booze and and you know I was smoking pot to try to stay off the booze but it wasn't working. I was still still sneaking drinks and and everything and uh, so I don't really know when I quit. Uh, I kind of picked my sober date as my birthday because mm -hmm. that's when I made the call kind of. Yeah. But I quit. It wasn't long after that. I, I somehow got stopped and mm -hmm. and came back to 1835 and and uh, you know I phoned up my brother-in-law and and talked to him. Me and him used to talk a lot all the time. We used to talk. Uh, me and him and Jody would talk lots. When the first time I was in 1835, mm -hmm. I'd tell him what was going on. And <clears throat> so I told him I was going back. And so this had been over a year and I hadn't been out. I hadn't been back to Brooks out to see any of them uh, in that whole year since my sister died. I hadn't gone and, and seen my three nieces that I was so close to. I couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself to go out there. Mm -hmm. um, and and I couldn't bring myself to phone to phone right. I, mm -hmm. Like that phone. That's always been the worst thing for me is picking up a phone. Right? Thousand pound phone. Man. Yeah. Uh, so went back to 1835, and I made I made some like I had I I thought a lot, and I I kind of made some big decisions before I even went back, and I decided that things were things were going to be a different right, mm -hmm. and the first thing I decided was that I was going to finally fucking acknowledge that I was an alcoholic, mm -hmm. and there was and that that's all there was to it right. Yeah. I mean, I went back into the house and I rewrote my my mm -hmm. step one like they have you do there and and did. But I mean, as I'm writing it out, I'm like, this is this is just reinforcing it mm -hmm. over and over again, right? Yeah. So step one was, you know, it was not an issue for me, right? Uh, yeah, and got back to the house and I and I decided that the, that I was going to have a few other changes, right? Mm -hmm. And I decided that there that a higher power was going to be part of my life, right? right I'd never really worked on that side of it before. Mm -hmm. Like I never prayed or meditated or even really thought a whole lot about it. Uh, I thought I could do it just on meetings and that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a, another change, right? So when I, you know, so when I get to my step two, and I always wanted something like that in my life too, right? Mm -hmm. Like reading and, and movies and everything like that. I've always, you know, loved that idea of, uh, some sort of higher power and you know and mm -hmm. even if it was books about religious wars or whatever it was yeah. right or some sort of good versus evil kind of kind of thing I always that always drew me right you know and uh, you know heroes and heroes and all that kind of stuff good versus evil and mm -hmm. and so when I came back and the first time I didn't I forgot about all that right that that was always what had drawn me to those sort of things. And so mm -hmm. this time when I came back and I started thinking about that and I was like, this is what I always wanted, right? Yeah. I always wanted something like this to believe in and and for it to be something that might actually help me mm -hmm. and help me with my drinking was just like a bonus, right? Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I'm, and I'm, you know, I, uh, it says in, in step two where it says, are you willing, do you believe or are you willing to believe, right? Uh, in a power greater than yourself. And I was like, you know, it was like, no problem. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck yeah. This is, this is going to be a part of my of my recovery mm-hmm. going forward, uh, and and that carried over into step three, right? I was like, like I really tried to make a conscious decision that I to start turning shit over right away, right? Mm-hmm. Like right away, not not that this was going to be an, a theory or mm-hmm. or be a, something that I could work towards, or which it was, mm-hmm. right? But I. But I tried to make that conscious effort to start, to start just letting things happen to me, and mm-hmm. and and just go with it, right? And and it was so great. I mean, I, by this time, uh, like COVID had eased off, right? Like I, when I first went back to 1835, we were still in full on lockdown. There was only eight or nine of us guys in the house, uh, you know. And then, but as soon as we started getting to go back outside, I, I went back to to um, daily reflections and and I remembered people from from the group, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the people I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That were there in those early days after COVID, and and there wasn't very many of us mm-hmm. lots of days, right? And you know, but I was at, I was welcome back, and right away I got voluntold to to take a service position mm-hmm. and get your shit together, get my shit together, right? And, and <laughs> And, and that was another thing too, yeah. is, I, I, is I made myself start to actually talk to people at the mm-hmm. meetings, right? Not just a first name, kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, I started to actually, there was people there that I found I could talk to and, and I knew I had, to, I had to make that change, right? And, and at the house too, I, ma- I knew I had to change everything about the way I approached it. Mm-hmm. So I made myself uh, make some friends there, right? Like mm-hmm. make some, really try to connect with a couple of the guys and, and made myself go talk. The biggest one was I made myself go talk to the counselors, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know and le- and lean on them, especially when I got to four, right? Yeah. Like I was overthinking, even though I'd done a four before, I was overthinking it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like instead of making it simpler, I was making it more complicated, and I was writing all this shit out, right? And I knew I knew I was doing it wrong, right? But but I couldn't, you know, I was, I thought, oh, I'm going to do my own special way of doing my step four. I'm going to ask myself all these questions. And and then finally I got like super frustrated and I grabbed this big sheaf of papers and I go down to the office and, and uh, one of the old, one of the old counselor who's been around there for a long time was working that night. So I'm, I'm like, you got a minute? And he's like, yeah. So I closed the door to the office and I said, I'm having, I said, I don't know, I'm having trouble with this four. He's, uh, and I'm showing them all these papers, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to ask myself why this is happening and what the, you know, what this means and everything. And he's looking at me. He's got this funny look on his face, and, mm-hmm. and he's like, he grabs the big book and he hands it to him, and he says, "Show me in here where it says that you have to write all that stuff out mm-hmm. and write all, ask yourself all these questions and do all this and stuff. figure it all out." Yeah. Yeah, and and understand all this stuff. And I'm like, well, I know it's not in there. And he's like. Yeah, it isn't in there. Mm-hmm. And he, so he straightened me out. He's like, keep it simple, keep to the facts, mm-hmm. and don't expand on it, anything. Mm-hmm. You don't need to expand on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, but the important point he made was you don't need to understand this. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's about, it's about going through it, right? Mm-hmm. It's about you know, making yourself look at it. 
Mm -hmm. Look at this stuff, right? Yeah, that's the key to it. Yeah, is getting used to actually being able to take a look at things in an for honest way, right? For what they are, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And so, like, I I walked out of the office, dumped all them papers in the, <laughs> in the trash can. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> grabbed my notepad, went into the boardroom there, and I was done in two hours. Right? Yeah. And, and it was funny, too, because right around that time, I had found a new sponsor. Uh, and he, he was actually one of the, the counselors at 1835 the first time I went through the house. Mm -hmm. So I had asked him to be my, uh, to be my counselor. And he came, sort of came on board right around this time. And then he reinforced what the, what the guy at the house said, too. Like we were talking and he was like, like he made it even plainer. He was like, no more than 12 words or no mm -hmm. more than 15 words, right? Just points. Mm -hmm. You know, very simple, very direct. Yeah. He said, all, you, all it is is just so when you do your five, mm -hmm. it reminds you of what you're trying to talk about kind mm -hmm. of stuff, right? Yeah. And boom, I was done. And, and, that's, good. Uh, that's good instruction. Yeah. Good instruction. Like just that keeping it brief and, and yeah. just stick to what it says to do, right? Well, and the truth is the reason it doesn't ask you why is because we know that most people don't know why. Yeah. And so why ask yourself that? Yeah, exactly. Because the whys come out as time goes on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was like, right on. It's some good instruction. Yeah, and I mean, and then, and of course, as I'm writing this shit out, I start all because I had been through it before, and I knew I was supposed to look for my part, and now I'm writing out this new step four, and I'm mm -hmm. starting to see it even as I'm putting shit down. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm like, oh, okay, well, I know where this one is going to end yeah. up, and so even as I'm writing it out, I'm already kind of, I'm already kind of seeing things, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing uh, the patterns, watching. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and and situations too. Mm -hmm. The situations that that bring out the worst in me too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then and then yeah. So then I did a. So I decided I wanted to do a step five out at the mount. Uh, and me and two of the other guys in the at eighteen thirty five, we all booked our our step fives out there on the same day. So we drove out there, and it was funny because when we get to the top of the hill and we start driving down in into the mount there and none of us had ever been there before mm -hmm. and, and we're driving down and we kind of get down to the bottom and we start to see the buildings and we realized we were all whispering right mm -hmm. like we were talking but we started whispering like as, as soon we, as you pulled in yeah kind of as soon as we started driving down that hill we started yeah. whispering right yeah and, and we were like but we could all feel something right away right mm -hmm. the, the place is so different and mm -hmm. so like so spiritual i guess right mm -hmm. uh so yeah, I went and did my step five. All he said was, he's like, hey, tell me your story. Uh, so I told him my story. Um, didn't, he, he didn't give me a whole lot of feedback. Like mm. we didn't talk about uh, defects or anything like that. Mm. Uh, he, did, he did talk a little bit about my problem that I, that my problem I had when I was a little boy. Mm. He's, he's like, I can, you know, I think he said something like, I can see where that would, uh, would uh, uh, I don't know. He said something about it, right? Mm. Or that would cause you problems or something mm. like that. Um, <clears throat> so I did that. And I'm glad I did it, right? It was, mm -hmm. it was an experience. But I had also booked one with my sponsor. And, and so we, uh, we did my step five. Um, uh, kind of similar thing, except he, I stuck more to my, to, my, to my step four, the way I'd written mm -hmm. it out. Kind of stuck more to it that way. Uh, and, you know, and he was, he'd, uh, he'd stop me in place and say, you know, you know I want to talk more about this or something, mm -hmm. and and uh, <laughs> and then when, and then we're we're done, and 
I remember the first thing he said to me, he was like, because uh, we were talking about this uh, health thing, right? Uh, and he says, well, I think it's safe to assume that you have a resentment against God. Mm -hmm. And I had never thought of it, of that before, right? Like, I had never really thought that mm -hmm. I had, you know, that I, I don't know, it was weird. Like, I never really thought that I had been, I never, I always, I think I just tried to leave it, that mm -hmm. whole thing behind me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I had never thought that I had had some big resentment at anybody. Like, I didn't hate my parents or, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, like, like, a, like, I mean, they used to get mad, right? I mean, it was understandable, but they never, you know, it's a good thing they never gave up, right? Mm. Uh, so we, you know, we talked about a few things like that, and, and uh, yeah, and then I, I did exactly like it said from the book. Uh, I, uh, I, he took, he, he left. Uh, I took that hour, uh, went over my first five steps, felt pretty good. Uh, that I had done them to the best of my ability, uh, and then did my six and seven. Uh, said said the prayer the way it's in the book, and then I kind of ad libbed one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember, I remember going outside at the. We did it at eighteen thirty-five. So I went out in the alley, and I was having a smoke in the alley, and I was kind of down the alley a bit from the other guys, and and I had like I did I. I felt something like really weird, strange was going on. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a full moon, and that's always sort of held a important place mm -hmm. uh, for me. Like uh, um, there was a big, huge, beautiful full moon at my dad's funeral and at mm -hmm. my sister's funeral. It was like it was weird, and mm -hmm. and I always thought of the full moon. I've always sort of associated it with my sister ever since mm -hmm. that. And and I remember being out in the alley and just the thought. In my head was running over and over again. I don't have to be that. I don't have to be like that anymore. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to be like that anymore. And uh, like I just, I don't know. It, like in in the literature where it says in five you get to, you gain humility, right? You get that uh, clear recognition of what and who you really are, mm -hmm. followed by a sincere desire to be who Somewhere. you could be. Yeah. And that was exactly how I felt, right? Mm -hmm. I felt that I had. I had finally taken a decent look at, at myself, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was not impressed, right? For mm -hmm. sure. Because I, I, like I had it's a amazing picture. what accountability does though. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I just, and you know, it, and I was thinking back to when I was a kid and I, you know, I had all those dreams when I was a kid and what type of person I was going to be, mm -hmm. right? And I wasn't going to be just like, I was going to be a good person, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even more than I wanted to be like a famous journalist or anything, I, I always had this feeling that I just wanted to be a really good person. Mm -hmm. too, right? um, so yeah, and I mean that was probably as close as I ever got to like a spiritual experience. Like I really felt some mm -hmm. sort of a catharsis or something going yeah. on. Right. Right on. Uh, uh, yeah, and then so uh, finished that up. Uh, Took a little time to kind of digest all that, and then uh, went to eight and nine. Uh, I'm a, I'm at a bit of a wall. I got to admit right now that I'm at a bit of a wall with some of my um, amends. I've made a couple amends. Uh, I have my list, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I'm having trouble with the willingness part of it. Um, like I did an amends with my ex, that went really well, and mm -hmm. I did a couple with. Uh, 
Uh, did one with my niece up in Camrose and that, but like the, the biggest amend and the one that seems to be having me completely stalled is to my brother-in-law and my nieces out in Brooks, right? Mm -hmm. My sister's family. Yeah. Because I still haven't, uh, I've still never been back there right? mm -hmm. and it's been three years now. And so, um, like I saw one of my nieces at, at a thing here in Calgary. I went to watch her kids do some gymnastics or something and, and I saw my brother-in-law a couple times, but never long enough to actually really have a visit or mm -hmm. talk about anything. And, and my other two nieces, I haven't, I haven't even seen them since my sister's funeral. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I, just, I really can't explain it, right? Mm -hmm. I really can't explain what's going on. Um, it's a big one. That's what's going on. Yeah, it is a big one. It's a big one. And, and there's some, some, some things came up kind of around my sister's funeral that I'm having a little trouble with, too, mm -hmm. things that I kind of, that I didn't really think about at all until I started going through some of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just some, uh, I won't really get into it no, in case, uh, in case my nieces are, yeah. are listening, right? But, it's, yeah. but it's, it's something that I need to look at, I think, before mm -hmm. I proceed, right? Yeah. Because I don't want to, I don't want to make it any worse. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like I'm, that every day I'm making it worse by not clearing the air with them. And, by and trying it, yeah. By trying to make it right, right? Yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm not sure what, uh, what the problem is. I think it's because I'm waiting for my, for myself to convince myself that everything is going to go good. And mm -hmm. that, you know, that I'm, that I, I'm waiting till I can go do it and, and think to myself, this will go fine. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> And I'm not right at that, at that point yet. There's still a lot of fear there, right? For sure, and there would be, I think, because that's a big deal. Yeah. It sounds like there's lots that could potentially cause some trouble, right? And yeah. Not wanting to reopen wounds is an important, important part of the steps where we do take our time. Yeah. And we are thoughtful, right? Especially when something can be damaged. Yeah. Right. Further damaged. Yeah. And yeah, I get it, man. I I think that we. The willingness comes and goes, and until we're fully willing, we don't do it. Yeah. Right? Because it, we might not do it properly, and it could really fuck us up. Yeah. Right? Because you love them, and that's why oh, it's yeah. taking so much time. Yeah, I mean, right? they're... And you're hurt by your sister's loss. Like, yeah. there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. Well, and, uh, yeah, and I mean, that's... I've talked about that, too, before in, uh, in meetings, and mm -hmm. that is the way I've... Since my sister died, I've felt kind of like I'm... I've been cut loose, right? Mm. Like I don't have a... You're not tethered anymore. Yeah, I'm not tethered to something anymore, yeah. to, you know, to some sort of grounding place in mm -hmm. my life, right? And, and I mean, they're, they're the closest thing, right? Is that, mm. that family. I mean, I had, my brother had some kids and, and I love my brother's kids too mm -hmm. and all their kids and everything like that, but uh, they all grew up in Ontario, right? Because mm -hmm. my brother's wife was from Ontario, so I'd, yeah. I didn't have that closeness to them that I did to my sister's kids. And, mm. uh, and I mean, don't, you know, don't get me wrong, they're awesome too, right? Of but, course. But it was but different with my yeah. team. Your sister was where you went when you were in your darkest times, right? Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I, I know, like I've thought about this a, a lot, and I know that I'm not going to be successful long term mm. until I do something about this mm. situation, right? Yeah. I mean, I can. I feel pretty good now. I feel pretty strong with it, with mm -hmm. things, but I know if I'm gonna, if this is gonna become a long-term 
thing, mm -hmm. that that is ab that's going to absolutely have to be. Definitely the willingness. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't get to control how those other things happen. Yeah. The only thing you can really do is become willing. Yeah. And then see what happens. Yeah. Like you said, right? Like you said earlier, just try to let life do its thing. Yeah. And know that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Right? And if you don't know that, then don't do it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because it talks about that in the 12 and 12. Yeah. There's lots of other literature that says, hey, you can go slow, right? Because we don't need to cause a bunch more damage. We don't want to risk ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there's a lot going on there with your sister, right? Yeah. Like there's some, the grief and stuff. But I mean, you know as well as I do, right? Like, because you're the one telling me yeah. that if you don't deal with it, you're not 100% certain what will happen, yeah. right? Um, and yeah, good on you, man. Because, I mean, that's the part of this program that we don't talk about all the time is that when you, if you want to get time in, you got to do shit like this. Like, yeah. And we don't talk about it because it's hard. And sometimes when we talk about it in the room, the how hard it is, people don't want to do it, yeah. right? So we try to put the spin on it. Like there is usually an outcome that benefits all involved if we can take our time yeah. and follow the guidance of whatever higher power we're being guided by, yeah. right? Um, and I think that's the best we can do, you know? Yeah, um, like it's not, it's not weighing me down, like it's right not on. a crushing burden on mm -hmm. me, but I, I mean, I know, Yeah. right? I know well, and it's on your list. Yeah. And you know it's on the list, and so as long as you know it's there, it's gonna be a thought in your head, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the other one too is with <clears> my brother-in-law, Doug, right? <clears throat> yeah. He's been such a huge part of my life, like I really, He's kind of been around my whole life, really, mm -hmm. right? Because, like, I was—I think I was eight years old or something when him and Jody started dating, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they started dating in junior high, kind of thing, right? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, he's—and he's always been that big brother figure for me, right? Yeah. And, big deal. and really, my best friend, probably, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, over the years, because mm -hmm. I have—he's one of the guys that I have been able to talk about mm -hmm. a bit, right? Like I've, you know, I've, mm -hmm. me and him have talked about my drinking and that before. I, I never was a completely honest with him, but, mm -hmm. you know, him and Jody were probably the closest I ever got to actually being honest with anybody, right? Yeah. And I, and that's going to be a big amends for me too, because, like, I should have been there for him too, right? After Jody died, right? Yeah, I understand that for sure. That feeling, like, he, and I think you would have been if you were in a different position, right? But yeah, you know, now. It sounds at least like he'll, he's probably one of those people in your life that will would be interested in talking with you, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. And some of those amends, they just take more time. That's all, man. Like, and I, I know that like people feel rushed to do all this stuff. And when it's time, when we feel motivated to really do it, I think that's the best time to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, sometimes the universe just pushes things in our path that, that means we should do it, right? Yeah. And Again, you're the only one who can interpret that. Yeah. Because <laughs> the rest of us could have all kinds of ideas about what you might want to do, but yeah. it, it doesn't matter, man, because it's, it's you, right? It's you and it's, it's your nieces and your brother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's, like I talked to my one niece, the oldest niece, because mm -hmm. uh, I've always been kind of extra uh, close to her mm -hmm. when she was in university. Me and her were roommates here in town for a while, and uh, so I... So I kind of talk to her, and then mm -hmm. I think she sort of disseminates the information mm -hmm. so that everybody knows what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, after my sister died, I, I like me and Doug sort of quit talking to each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know, we we're both hurting too much or something. Yeah. Uh, but he reached out here 
a couple of months ago, sent me a text, and then we we talked once or twice. Uh, I told him, you know, hey, fuck, man, it's great to hear your voice. I'm glad you called. Mm -hmm. um, but that didn't lighten the weight of that phone any, right? Yep. Like, I'm still... Well, because it's not the phone, it's it's the information that you want to pass on that's heavy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I still, like, I tell I tell myself every Sunday night, because I, I told him, I'll, I'll try to phone you every Sunday, you know? And, mm -hmm. and every Sunday, I think, ah. Yeah. I, I figure out, like, I intentionally forget about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so where do I go from here? Uh, so I guess... Uh, yeah, here I am. I'm uh, trying to, you know, I'm trying to live in 10, 11, or 12. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm getting better, I think, at, at doing like my spot checks mm -hmm. during the day. Uh, it's hard. Uh, and there, there's something I kind of figured out too with, uh, like anger has always been a big issue with mm -hmm. me. Like I'm Irish. My dad was a redheaded Irishman, right? Oh, yeah. With, a, with an enormous temper. <laughs> and... Uh, Temper to match the red in his hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was like he dressed up as a leprechaun one year, and it was perfect because it, that's kind of what he looked like. Like he was barrel-chested, yeah. big, huge arms. And yeah. <coughs> Mom made him dress up as a leprechaun. <coughs> <coughs> and so, yeah. So anger has always been a thing, and mm. and so since I've you know over these last however many months uh, or last year or so, and I'm I'm trying to live in that in that ten right and. And I'm trying to do it just like it says in the book, right? Mm. Keep an eye out for selfish, you know, selfishness, self-seeking, mm -hmm. dishonesty, and fear, and and anger's in there with fear, right? Uh, and I figured out that anger for me, a lot of my the anger that happens to me, like mm -hmm. if I'm driving and stuff like that, it's not even anger; it's muscle memory, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just my go-to thing. Yeah. Like somebody'll do something stupid, and I'll be like, "You fucking idiot," mm -hmm. you know, and then I'll yeah. be like. Am I even mad? Yeah, like why did I do that? Yeah, like why am I reacting? <laughs> like why am I reacting like that? I'm not even mad about it. Yeah, but uh, but I find myself doing a lot lots of times. I just it's like yeah. my emotions have been trained over the years mm -hmm. to just go to certain places automatically, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, it's like something's happening. React. Yeah, 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 yeah and and react in this specific way, right? Yeah, like you always have reacted mm -hmm. from uh, fear and fear. Yeah. But, and so nowadays, man, you're like, you're involved in stuff. Like you're pretty, you're doing quite a bit of service work and stuff like yeah. that. And and I know sometimes it might be hard for other people, for ourselves, to talk about those things. But the truth is, like your transformation has really taken form, right? Like, and whether it was what you planned or not, like that's what's happening, right? Oh yeah. So yeah, it's not. I'm not where I thought I'd be. Totally. Sure. Yeah. And and part of that is. Uh, part of that is like there's parts of it that I'm not being I'm not very successful at right, mm -hmm. right now like uh, I feel like like I feel like I have sort of two two lives right I have mm -hmm. my I call it my civilian life you mm -hmm. know where work and paying bills and getting myself fed and mm -hmm. and you know interacting with other people and, and that kind of thing uh, and then there's like my AA life, my my spiritual mm -hmm. kind of side, right? Mm -hmm. And right now my civilian life is not good, mm -hmm. right? like really not good. Mm -hmm. right? uh, like I'm, uh, I mean, I got a job that I'm 
Like, I don't know why I'm still doing it. It's, it's snow removal, that's why I'm doing it, mm -hmm. right? But I, uh, like the guy I'm working for, I don't want to get into a bunch of no, details or bad looking, but, but it's terrible, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it'd be a rough job. Snow removal would be a rough job at any time when the snow's not falling, right? Like, and we only got one big dump and that's about it. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, and I'm like, I don't, I still can't manage my money. Right? Mm -hmm. Like I can't manage my money and I'm all, I'm still scrambling. It's, I almost feel like I'm still drinking because I'm always scrambling mm -hmm. with my finances. Right. And, and part of it is because I, I spend money on shit I don't need. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and then I'm having those problems with, with that part of my family too, right? Mm -hmm. and, and even my other part, like I never talk to my brothers, right? I rarely, rarely talk to my brothers, uh, you know, and that kind of gets me a little bit, you know, so those, those sort of things, like I'm, I'm living in the dream center, right? Mm -hmm. I never ever thought with, uh, with 26 months of sobriety that I'd be living in the dream center, mm -hmm. right? With two roommates, uh, but I, I needed somewhere to go right? mm -hmm. and thank God they're there. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, I'm, but I'm not, I don't know, it's hard to describe. I'm not, it's not, like, it's not crushing me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm concerned, mm -hmm. definitely I'm concerned. And, and I think I've been pretty open about it. Like, I've, uh, I go back to 1835, like, two or three times a week mm -hmm. and sit in on their, on their client meetings. And, and I always share with the guys what I'm, what I'm doing and what mm -hmm. I'm going through and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh. And, it, it, and then a couple of weeks ago, I ended up speaking at, uh, at the Glenmore Group. And so around that, I, and I was thinking about all this stuff, right? Like with the, the work and the money and, and, you know, and where I'm living and everything like that. And I thought, you know, here I was, I was reading the step three prayer where it says, uh, take away my difficulties so victory over them may bear witness to, you know, the, those I would help of thy will, thy power, and thy love, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not being a very good, you know, I'm not being a very good example mm. when I go back to the house. And then I, I, and then I, I don't know, I just started thinking, you know what, maybe I am, maybe that is an being example, an incredible right? example, yeah. You know, that maybe, you know, that I can show those guys that, that uh, even when things aren't going perfect, mm -hmm. that I can still feel, like I feel on my spiritual side, I feel pretty good, right? mm. you know, and and I've been so lucky too. Like, ever ever since I start, this all started before Christmas, right? In like October mm -hmm. or so, when I started, sort of things started to go, sort of get away from me a bit. And and right around then, all these chances to be of service started mm -hmm. just bombarding me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to. I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but I mean, all, all of a well, sudden... I kind of brought it up, so... Yeah, <laughs> like, all, like all, you know, uh, like we started, some of us guys that are alumni at 1835, we started trying to revive the Alumni Association, so mm -hmm. we've been trying to get the, the alumni meeting there on Tuesday nights going again, so I've been trying to get, and that's another thing for me to get back to the house and mm -hmm. see the guys, right, and, and the, um, one of the alumni uh, who does all kinds tons and tons of service work. He signed us up to do, to speak at Renfrew every other Saturday, the 1835 Alumni Association. Right on. So I've been, I've been lucky enough to go there four or five times and speak, mm -hmm. we go two of us. Uh, so we speak for a half hour. Um, mm -hmm. uh, 
over over this span. Two two different guys from the house have asked me to be their sponsor. So I have mm -hmm. three, so I have three sponsees now, and they're all eighteen thirty five guys. And right on. Uh, like it seems like I go to the Glenmore lots. It seems every time I go there, that they need someone to chair. And, mm -hmm. And uh, and then they asked me to speak there at the Glenmore, mm -hmm. and um, um, I do. And the what do you call it? And the twenty the uh, AA hotline uh, oh, phone okay. monitoring chair. Yeah. So I so I uh, organized the groups to, to mm -hmm. do the phone monitoring chair for that. So I'm the last member on the list. Mm -hmm. For uh, like if they phone somebody and somebody can't get their phone or yeah. for whatever reason they phone me, right? Yeah. And because of that, because I'm in that position, I've had all these great phone calls mm -hmm. from people that are phoning the AA helpline, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just shooting the shit with somebody on the phone. For sure. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's general stuff. They mm -hmm. need to know where there's a meeting or something like that. Uh, I had a lady phone me up one time and she wanted to know how to do an intervention on her brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't really know how to answer her. You just for talked that. to her. Yeah. So I just said, well, you know, this is, mm -hmm. you know, has, has anybody actually ascertained that he wants help? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and another time, a guy, uh, I answered the phone, and this guy's crying on the end of the phone. His wife just kicked him out. He's in a hotel over at Motel Village. He's drinking, uh, and he decided to phone AA. He never phoned AA. Didn't know anything about mm -hmm. it. Uh, and it was weird. I just happened to be uh, on my way to Garnet Bluff, mm -hmm. and he was at, and I was coming from the southwest, and he was at Motel Village. I said, "You want to go to the meeting?" And he was like, "Okay." Mm -hmm. So I went and got him. Right and, on. And we went to Garnet Bluff and did the 8:30. And I said, "Do you want to stay for the 10?" And he was like, "Okay," mm -hmm. and stayed for the 10. And uh, and then I went and got him the next day, and we went to another meeting. And so, so he's now out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's still sober. He texted me once in a while. Right on. Uh, he went back to Ontario to his parents, stayed there for a bit, stayed sober. He's back in Calgary. And he texted me a while ago asking me about 1835 because mm. he thinks he needs to go to treatment. Right on. And like, there, there's all kinds of examples like that mm -hmm. where the, something will just land right in front mm -hmm. of me. And they always say, do the next right thing. That's it. And, I, and I'm like, okay, this is That's the next exactly right thing. exactly what we're right? talking about, man. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the next right thing. So I do it, right? Right on. And uh, and it's that's that's the stuff that's keeping me mm. strong, right? Yeah. Because I like I just can't believe it, right? That mm. that it's coinciding, you know? Like, yeah. It's pretty for, cool that it is. It is. It's crazy, yeah. man. Like, yeah. I was I was talking to with a friend uh, from Daily just the other day. I said, I'm in a I'm in a place right now where I don't understand what's going mm -hmm. on. Like God obviously has something planned for me, mm -hmm. like for all this stuff to be happening at once. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have no idea what it is. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's what she said too. She's yeah. like, she's like, that's cool. Yeah. She's like, as long as you feel strong. Because mm -hmm. uh, whatever yeah. happens, you'll be okay, man. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, you know? I'm like, you'll be all right. You know, yeah, and I will be all right. And yeah, that's, uh, I believe it. And it and it's so weird too. This is a, a, another crazy story, right? So. I've been I've been looking at other jobs, of course, all mm -hmm. winter because I'm not happy. And yeah. I applied for a job with Alberta Health Services in November, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd completely forgotten about applying for this job. Mm -hmm. And two weeks ago, they called me up. This guy called me up, and he says, "Hey, we want to interview interview you for for this job." Mm -hmm. And it's a per it 
it would be as a, one of the groundskeepers at Foothills Hospital and the new cancer center. Yeah. So right up my alley, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. I'm landscape. I'm, that's what I do for a living, landscaping and, and that kind of stuff. And, and I was like, this is weird. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is really strange that this is happening right now. And is it weird, though? Yeah, is it weird? <laughs> right? So anyway. I'm so starting I, to think it's not so weird. <laughs> yeah. So I go for the interview. Mm -hmm. And, like, I didn't really prepare or anything. I didn't, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to go and hope, you know, try to mm -hmm. do my best. And it was weird because in the interview, there was a couple times I fell back on, on the program, right? Mm -hmm. Like he asked me one time, he's like, uh, what would you do if you had conflict with one of your coworkers? And I was like, uh, well, the first thing I'd try to do is like stop mm -hmm. <laughs> before, you know, before, I, you know, I'd try to stop and say, okay, whoa, like, mm -hmm. take a second. And, and then I said, and then probably uh, the first thing I'd do is, is ask myself, is this something that I've that I've brought on, or, mm -hmm. you know, is this something I started, or whatever mm -hmm. the situation is? Yeah. Like, is it with me? And and if it wasn't with me, then I would just ask the other guy, like, you know, is there, you know, is there some way we can work this out, mm -hmm. or whatever, right? And 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 uh, and then I and he's like, what would you do if that didn't work? And I said, well, I'll take it to my supervisor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other question he asked was about dealing with the public there around the mm -hmm. cancer center, right? And I said. I, I told him, I said, well, you know what, I, my sister and both of my parents have been through the Tom Baker many times and I've been around this hospital lots, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'd, the first thing I'd remember is that if everybody I deal with, it might be the worst day of their life, right? Yeah. And try to just, you know, keep that in mind mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and act accordingly, right? Yeah. Like try to be, try to be sensitive and... Uh, Anyways, to make a long story short, I didn't get the job. <laughs> you didn't? No. No, but you but you talked about it, and you yeah. never know. Yeah, and uh, actually, it's funny because I was talking to that same friend from Daily actually this morning, and and I was saying to her, I said, I, like I'm having trouble figuring out why it happened, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. And and I said to her, I said, you know, maybe it's. I said, there's some more. Uh, government jobs I'm going to be applying for because mm -hmm. they're starting to hire for seasonal workers with the city of Calgary mm -hmm. and that. And I said, maybe I just needed the practice at an interview. Yeah, who knows? You know, just to answer those kind of weird questions that mm -hmm. I usually hate, right? Well, and to go into interviews is like, that's how we build up self-esteem too, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's very tangible skills that come from yeah. interviewing, right? And being interviewed. So yeah. that's good. Good for you. Because the more you put yourself out there, the better, the easier it will be. Yeah. Right? What it's time are we at? Sorry. Oh, we must be going there. I'm just double checking. Oh, no. Okay, oh, right on. Up. All right. What were you going to say? Sorry, I didn't um, mean to cut you off. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Like before I even interviewed, when I, when I had the interview booked and everything, and I was talking to my stepdaughter. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing, too, is I'm, I managed not to fuck that all up, right? Right on. Like I'm still, my, I'm still close with my stepdaughter and her man. I'm still grandpa to those two little girls. They're eight and ten now. Uh, and my ex lives with them. I have a good relationship with my ex. Mm -hmm. Like I, I spent a lot of time out there, and and so I was lucky. I didn't that I've been, mm -hmm. I did pretty good with that side of my th my yeah. thing, right? Um, but when I got that interview, I phoned Tammy up and I was telling her, and and I, I remember saying to her, "It's funny you brought up uh, self esteem and that, mm -hmm. right?" And I said, "You know, Tammy, even if I don't get it, man, I I feel pretty good about getting an interview." I mm -hmm. said, "There's probably lots of guys that applied for this job." Yeah. You know, and to get a, you know, not it's not a phone interview or anything. Mm -hmm. They actually want to meet me and, and everything, and and then to have the interview go good, mm -hmm. 
so I mean, it was good. It was right good on. for my self-confidence. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I because you gave yourself, you gave yourself to it. You tried. Yeah, and that is always good for our confidence. Yeah, right. Like, no matter what the outcome, if we can just be less afraid of like quote unquote failure, we're gonna do better every time. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because it really isn't failure yeah. if you show up, right? Like, and yeah. do your do your best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do my best, and that's and I did talk. I didn't tell a whole lot of people about it, right? Because mm. I was afraid of jinxing it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I did. I remember I did talk to somebody after the interview, but before I found out that I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So during that few days of waiting, and I remember saying, I remember saying, you know what? Like, I'm, like I was happy that mm. I had gotten the chance, and that I had, I really felt that I had done really good at the interview, right? Because mm. I, you know, I thought I gave thoughtful answers to some of those tougher yeah. questions, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. Right on, man. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I mean, things aren't perfect, right? But um, Well, and see, and I appreciate that very much because very, very seldom are things perfect. Yeah. Right? Recovery is going to be about all kinds of things. It's going to be about being poor, being broke maybe, and also being sober. It's yeah. Gonna, and if, if we can learn how to do these things sober, we're going to, like, make it, right? Like, yeah. that's, because those are the things, that, the life things, that's what happens to us. Yeah. We just don't have the same buffer anymore. We don't have our like our buffer alcohol. Yeah. Now we just gotta take it raw. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And sometimes it feels like it's a little too raw. And other times it's like, oh yeah, I probably had that coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's been lots of those. Yeah, right. And and man, I'm just glad you're here, dude. Yeah. I'm glad you came back because I know without question, like what your presence does to people at the house, what it does to different places that I know you from. And um, like daily and stuff like that, there's no question, man, that is, you are necessary to help connect people to us, to it, right? And that's why each of us are here. Right on. Ex extensions of that, whatever higher power it might be. Yeah. Trying to get shit done. Yeah. yeah. Unity. Yeah, man, unity. Is there anything else you want to talk about, man? We're at hour and a half, and frankly, you can talk forever if you want. I don't. I think that's pretty. That basically brings you up to about two days ago when two I days got ago? The, when I got the email <laughs> from Alberta Health Service. Perfect. So we are caught up, man. Yeah. So if there was one thing you could tell somebody out there, man, that was going through this, just one thing that maybe you needed to hear or something like that, you might have already said it, and I just yeah. fucking missed it. But uh, what would I say? Jeez. Admit it. Admit when you need help. Yeah. You know, you know, there was one thing that I have been thinking about a lot a few times over the last little while is that I really, you know, I, I think back a lot to when I was younger and, and, and you know, I had that, those plans of what I was going to do with my life and everything like that. And I really feel like, like all the other shit that alcohol did that, uh, that was negative, I think the worst part of it was is that it kind of, it kind of stunted that any desire to be successful, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've never been able to be successful, mm. like financially or career-wise or relationships or mm. or anything. Like it just, like I've never been any good at any of that mm -hmm. shit, right? And but I mean, I look back at it now and I'm like, well, I'm here. Yeah, and, you can learn it. And and there, you know, I do have a chance now. And mm -hmm. I never. It took a long time for me to think of it, but I do have a chance to maybe. You know, to maybe actually be of some help to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Guaranteed, you are. Yeah. yeah. Like one of my sponsees took a year. We gave each 
he gave me my two year and I gave him his one year. Right on, man. And Congratulations. I was, like, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's a good gig, dude. You know? But I think he sponsors me sometimes too, right? That's the way it is, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a great guy. Yeah, sponsors give it back all, all the time. Yeah. All the teaching. So, yeah, right for on. sure. Darren, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate this. I, I value your presence in the rooms in my life and my recovery. So, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. Right on, man. It's our pleasure.